Buenos días, familia. ¿Cómo están? ¿Bien? ¿Mal? ¿Más o menos? It's so good to see you here. It is so good for me, such a pleasure and such a joy always for me to be with you here on Sunday morning. I am the Reverend Maria McCabe. My preferred pronouns are she, her, and hers. And as I invite you into the spirit of worship this morning, I um, will share with you our theme. We have themes every month, and our theme for the month of November is memory. And as you heard in that beautiful song this morning, I'm going to invite all of us to remember who we are and who we come from and how we carry inside ourselves a memory that cannot be taken away from us, a memory of freedom and a memory of love and a memory of hope and a memory of strength and resilience. As always, on the first Sunday of the month, we share with you the uh, questions that come from our Soul Matters Spiritual Sharing Circle. So I invite you to, to explore those as well. Our invocation this morning comes from the great poet, first people's poet, Joy Harjo. This was from 1951, and it's entitled, Remember. Remember the sky that you were born under. Know each of the stars' stories. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn. That is the strongest point of time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth. How your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father. He is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are. Red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth. We are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life who all have their tribes, their families, their histories too. Talk to them. Listen to them. They are alive poems. Remember, you are all people, and all people are you. Remember, you are this universe, and this universe is you. I'd like to share a reading with you this morning that I, I, I'm pretty sure I've shared before, and I can't promise that I won't share it again. This is called Child of the Americas by Puerto Rican poet Aurora Levins Morales. I am a child of the Americas, a light-skinned mestiza of the Caribbean, a child of many diaspora born into this continent at a crossroads. I am a U.S. Puerto Rican. Jew, 
a product of the ghettos of a New York I've never known, an immigrant and the daughter and granddaughter of immigrants. I speak English with passion. It's the tongue of my consciousness, a flashing knife blade of crystal, my tool, my craft. I am Caribeña, island-grown, and Spanish is in my flesh. Ripples from my tongue, lodges in my hips. The language of garlic and mangoes. The singing of poetry, the flying gestures of my hands. I am of Latino America, rooted in the history of my continent. I speak from that body. I am not African. Africa is in me, but I cannot return. I am not Taina. Taino is in me, but there is no way back. I am not European. Europe lives in me, but I have no home there. I am new. History made me. My first language was Spanglish. I was born at the crossroads. And I am whole. I am whole, my beloved. And you are whole. Each and every one of you here today or here in spirit and each and every person that you love or that you have ever loved is whole. In spite of the heaviness and the sadness that so many of you have shared for so long, in spite of the grieving that you carry, that we carry, the fear, the rage, the sadness. I said to some of you this morning, I'm not very certain that I'll make it through this service without tears. And one of you said, that's okay. And I say thank you. Last Thursday night, I was, we had a, another, shall we say, spirited meeting of the immigration team and as we left here a few minutes after 8.30, I got in my car to drive to Ohio to participate in an extremely emotional and powerful event, the installation of my dearly beloved friend, Reverend Dr. Valerie Bridgman, as the first African-American woman dean of the Methodist Theological School of Ohio. And it was, it was a day. But facing several hours of driving, just at least to get halfway to Ohio, meant that I needed to stay awake. So, of course, I turned on my radio to tune in radio and MSNBC, because nothing keeps me awake than being pissed off. <laughs> it's okay to say, you won't tell anybody that I use that term, right?
My friend Valerie says she's a, she says I'm a cussing preacher. <laughs> it's all in here. And I listen to the regurgitation and the representation of the day's news and and I stayed awake. That was Thursday. That was Thursday. That was the day our 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 president instructed troops to fire at children as they approach with their families, approach the southern border of the United States. Because a rock is a rifle. That was a day of hate-filled advertisements, hate-mongering, hate-amplifying rhetoric. You know, I'm not generally one to think back and say, boy, you know, the good old days, because not so much. But sometimes I do think, you know, maybe it'd be good to go back to the time when the news was in your morning newspaper, and you could choose to read the funnies first. You can't do that with MSNBC, for crying out loud. And Walter Cronkite, God love him, you know, 30 minutes of Walter, and it's like, oh. So I heard many things during the first three-plus hours of, of my drive, and I gripped my steering wheel, and I cried. And then I heard pieces, not the whole thing, but pieces of Oprah Winfrey's speech campaigning for Stacey Abrams in Georgia. And what she said and how she said it and the clarity with which she said it touched my heart. Perhaps it touched some of yours, too. Perhaps you heard it, too. But I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. But essentially, she said, no, don't get all excited. I'm not here launching a bid for the presidency. I'm here for Stacey Abrams. And then she turned to the people in the audience who were already, as you can imagine, beside themselves with the presence of this extraordinary person. And she said to them, if you're ancestors, if you come from people who did not have the right to vote, and you choose not to vote, you are dishonoring their memory. You are dishonoring their legacy. And then she said, their blood has trickled into my DNA, and this I will quote, I refuse to dishonor that. And that resonated with me because the fact is, I too have been thinking about my ancestors, our ancestors, and how they are inside of us, and how their legacy, good, bad, mixed, or indifferent, how their legacy has shaped us. I know that not all of us here have precisely the same point of view, nor should we. We don't all have the same set of policy solutions for the policy problems that face us. 
I will tell you, though, something we do all have. We all have a conscience. We all have a yearning for peace and love and compassion. We have a yearning for things to be right. Regardless of how we would solve the immigration policy issue, were we to be given that magical political wand to do so, we all know that separating children from their parents is wrong. We know that giving soldiers a command, soldiers who are human beings and parents, giving soldiers a command to fire on unarmed human beings, children, mothers, fathers, we know that that is wrong. Your history, your family history may be different from yours and may be different from yours and may be different from mine. But we were shaped by people whose love and whose hope dreamed us into being. We were shaped by the people who raised us and the people who raised them and the people who raised them. We are shaped by their experience, by their woundedness. We're shaped by their alcoholism. We're shaped by their mental illness. We're shaped by their recovery. We're shaped by the miles they walked for freedom. by the many ways in which they imperfectly prayed and hoped that our lives, that our world, would be better than theirs. You know that, that beautiful song from The Lion King where Mufasa sings to Simba, they live in you. Remember that song? They live in me. Where he's showing the young lion that all the lineage of kings live on in him so that he can grow into who he is meant to be. You know, some of you here may be like me. Some of you may have experienced the loving touch of someone who has passed beyond the veil of this plane of existence. Some of you may never have experienced that. Some of you may be tempted to do a little eye roll when you hear about stuff like that. But truly, that doesn't matter. Because the shaping, the teaching, the loving, the hoping, that's there 
And this morning, as we face another potential transition, another major event in our civil society, this morning as we face all of the personal grieving and changes, the recovery and the healing that we need, the recovery and the healing that our loved ones need, as we face all of this together, I want us to remember together the strength, the resilience, and the courage of the people we come from. We are shaped by the ways in which they were conquered, and we are shaped by the ways in which they were conquerors. We are shaped by Kristallnacht. And we are shaped by those courageous people of faith who continued to pray after Kristallnacht. We are shaped by the memories. We are shaped by the things that are too painful to remember. So I ask you in this moment, perhaps you may want to close your eyes for just a moment, but is there someone in your family tree? Is there an ancestor, maybe someone you knew or someone you did not, someone you know of, whose courage and whose resilience And overabundant love sustains you. And if there is, I invite you to speak their name into this community. I thank you. I thank all of us for sharing these names. I want to tell you about your religious ancestors for a moment. Because even though perhaps you came here today for the very first time, or perhaps you came for the first time just a few weeks ago, they are your ancestors now too. And their stories are yours, and their example and their inspiration are for you to hold and cherish. March 8th, 1965, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King sent a telegram across the United States. Many of the recipients were Unitarian Universalist ministers. He'd been to seminary with a lot of Unitarian ministers in training, and so he had really close relationships. And in fact, he had seriously considered becoming a Unitarian minister. And he sent a telegram and he said to them, I need you to come. I need you to, become, to come to Selma. And I need you to march. And the telegram in part said, because, you know, the man could talk. So it's not a short telegram. 
But he says in the telegram, I call therefore on clergy of all faiths to join me for a minister's march to Montgomery on Tuesday morning, March 9th. In this way, all America will testify to the fact that the struggle in Selma is for the survival of democracy. Democracy everywhere in our land. Prophetic words, aren't they? In the preceding days, authorities in Alabama had clubbed and gassed women and children. And their actions, at least some of them, had been captured by television cameras. And when that telegram arrived, many... Our, our Unitarian Universalist Association was just four years old. I mean, the Unitarians, Universalists had been around for a long time, but the association was very, very young. But when that telegram came, many ministers answered the call. Many did not. Not everyone has the same calling for this work of justice, even though we all hold the desire for freedom. But many ministers answered the call, and not all of them went home. One was killed outright. Viola Liuzzo, a lay <coughs> member of a Michigan congregation for only about a year, went to Selma against the strong objections of her husband. She had young children. But she went because the call was so strong, and she too was killed. To walk for freedom is not an easy thing, always. But the ones who came back, the ones who worked side by side with people they had never ministered to, came back changed. They went to transform, and they came back transformed. They went to bring freedom, and they came back free. And what they preached changed. And the experience from which they preached was different because it was larger. And it changed our movement so dramatically that we today, all of us here today, share a history of this struggle. We share the courage and resilience and the inspiration of what they did. Our religious ancestors fought and prayed so that you and I could be here together. Muslim, Jew, Catholic, atheist, humanist, Buddhist, Wiccan, follower of indigenous religion, follower of no religion at all, trans, gay, gender queer, 
cisgender, heterosexual, able-bodied, so that we could all be here and celebrate freedom of thought and freedom of worship and the freedom to determine truth for ourselves and the freedom to share our questions and to know that our questions and our doubts and our pain are every bit as valuable as our certainties. I put my name on a list of clergy in particular Unitarian Universalist ministers who speak Spanish to accompany the migrant caravan as it leaves Mexico City and travels to the United States border. I pray that I will be accepted to do this work. And if I am, I will need all of you with me. I will need the courage and the love and the desire to open your hearts, open our hearts together for what we know. What we know is the path of love. What we know is the walk to freedom. What we know is not something that any of us can do by ourselves. It is something we must do together. Whether you agree with me about what color the walls should be, you probably don't. We're not. I will need your prayers. Amen. Ashe. And blessed be. My most beloved. I send you now with blessing into this world of ours that is filled with joy and filled with suffering. And I ask your blessing for me too. Amen.